Conviction is good, but repentance is better. What that means is when the Spirit of God convicts you, that's a good thing. But repentance is when you actually hate your mistake enough to change. That you turn from doing what you've been doing and you turn to the Lord. See, your ability to experience the best that God has for you is actually on the other side of obedience. God invites you to live a certain way, but you get to choose to live that way. When you do something that goes against your relationship in Jesus, oftentimes you'll feel a check in your spirit. This is what's known as conviction of your sins. Pastor Daniel will remind you today that this is a good thing, but what you do with that conviction is more important. You can choose to ignore the feeling and continue in that sin, or you can confess it to Jesus. He'll forgive you of that sin and help you walk away from it forever. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Romans, chapter 1, as he continues his message, It's All About Jesus. Jesus has placed a calling on Paul's life to be an apostle, one who is sent on out with a commission. And so he sees his life through the finished work of Jesus and this calling to be sent on out into the world. And not only that, he sees himself as being separated unto the gospel of God. That word gospel means good news. That Paul has now been set apart by this calling unto the work of the good news. See, Paul's entire self-identity is now because of Jesus, But what's amazing is if you were to read the book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul talked about his former way that he saw himself. Of the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, according to the law, blameless. See, he says, this is who I used to be, but now that I'm in Christ, Christ has now so shaped my identity that I see myself differently. Now, here's the question. How are you defining yourself? And have you allowed your identity to be holy in Christ? Or are you still retaining aspects of your identity that actually is not who you are any longer? You know, I just heard, I was talking to one of the gals who makes the follow-up phone calls for people through our TV ministry that we call DFM, and somebody who gave their life to Jesus. And this guy shared how he had gotten four or five DUIs, right? His life was totally broken. He was living out in a homosexual lifestyle, And he was watching TV all really upset one night and he watched a TV program and he gave his life to Jesus. And he was saying about how many things have changed because he's like, because of God's grace, now I'm leaving things that are destructive for me and I'm changing my lifestyle because I I can. And, And it was such a powerful example to me of what happens when you allow Jesus to change the way that you look at yourself. See, your identity is the goggles, the lenses through which you see yourself. So you got to ask yourself, how do you, do you see yourself in Christ? Because someone may say you're useless, but Jesus says, I love you with an everlasting love. You may say you are totally messed up. And then Jesus says you are, but I love you and I'm not finished with you yet. Everyone may say, I do not want to be around you. And Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
See, how are you identifying yourself? Because the Apostle Paul, his identity is in Christ. And if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, then you need to say, I only want to see myself the way God sees me. I only want to define myself the way I am defined by Jesus. And everything else, although it's the way you see yourself, is a lie. Now, isn't that a tension, though? Because for many of us, even though if you're growing in your identity in Christ, those false identities are real, aren't they? You could, like, love Jesus. You're like, I'm following Jesus. And all of a sudden, this lie that you've believed about yourself pops on up, and you live that out for a little while, don't you? But what God wants to do is he wants to give us Lasix surgery so we only see ourselves and our identity in Christ. He wants to totally heal that identity. And I think that that's very powerful. But it is a tension to see yourself in Christ, not all the ways that we've been learning. Like I look at my own life. I remember when I was growing up, you know, I was a jock and a musician. And I got really good at having my identity being the guy who's the life of the party. You know, that was like a really well-worn identity. Except when I got saved and I stopped partying. And then it's like, well, what does that mean about who I am? And I started to learn that God wants to do something fresh because the, the problem with the identity of being the life of the party is that if you're not the life of the party, you, what you realize you have no friends. And I realized how superficial all my friendships were because they just liked me because I was fun, right? And I'd always show up with some mischief, but God has something else. And I think for each one of us right now, God is doing a work of clarifying the lenses through which we see ourselves. And I'm here to tell you, the only thing that is the truest thing about you is what Jesus says you are, nothing else. The brokenness of your parents, former spouses, people who screwed your life up or who, who, who made a wreck and a mess in your life and then bailed, all the stuff that they said that you are, it's all lies because they were living a lie as well. But Jesus says, this is who you are. And we want to begin to live in accordance with that. So you see that? So Paul sees his identity in Christ. Now, once he says that he's separated unto the gospel of God, I'm separated out. Then you get verses two to four really explain to us the gospel of God, the good news. Notice what he says, which was promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So the entire Old Testament from Genesis to the book of Malachi, it unpacks the promises of who Jesus is. That's why when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, he said to them, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have life, but they are those which testify of me. That's why the gospel of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament begins with the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of Abraham, the son of David, linking up Jesus to all that had gone before in Genesis and through the ministry of David. So you get the fact that the gospel didn't just show up out of nowhere. It was promise. It's been said that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the Old revealed. So when you read the Old Testament, it has the pictures of the gospel. But once you get to see Jesus, you're like, oh, that's what that was really all about. And in the same way, when you're looking at the New Testament, you're like, oh, okay. So now this thing fits in and this thing fits in. So we have the fact that the gospel was promised beforehand. Notice verse 3. Concerning... His son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh. Now, you notice the apostle Paul, talk about economy of language here. Concerning 
his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now that's what you call packing a punch right there. There's a lot in there concerning God's son, Jesus Christ. Now, just so everyone knows, so God's son, it speaks of Jesus's family. He is the son of God. Now, I remember growing up, I'd hear Jesus Christ. I thought that Jesus was his first name and Christ was his last name, right? Or I grew up in one of those family where Jesus was talked about a lot, but in the negative way, where everything was Lord Jesus Christ, but it was always like in the negative, right? So I used to think like Lord was his surname and Jesus was his first name and Christ was his last name. Now I'm here to tell you, that's not true. Now, how many of you get a little worried when someone starts using Jesus's name as an expletive? Some of you do right now. I want to give you the key because I learned this a lot because I grew up in a family who Lord Jesus Christ as an expletive was very common. So I remember when I first started walking with Jesus, I'm like, that's not so good. So this is how I handle that. And I'm going to give you, this is free advice for me. When someone says something happens, like you're watching the Seahawks and you're like, Jesus Christ, right? When they lose again, right? What you say to them is, <laughs> I'm speaking our language here, Amen. So when you're watching the game and someone gets mad and they say, Jesus Christ, you say, it's a good thing you're calling on the only one who can help us right now. (laughs) It's a good way to handle it, right? Because there's nothing worse than when someone says Jesus' name as an expletive and a believer goes, you are not supposed to use the Lord's name in vain. That doesn't help anything. So when someone does it, you're like, it's so me. I didn't know you were a person of prayer. Let's pray together right now. (laughs) I shut that thing down. so Because people all of a sudden like, wait, excuse me? Right? They start saying Jimmy Crickets or something else, you know? But that's how you handle that. Just, I have a P. I, I love when, when someone says, I'm like, Jesus Christ. I'm like, oh, I love him. You do too? He's my savior. And then they look at you like you're nuts, and it's so much fun. So that's just free advice for me to you. Don't get on them about it. Like, listen, I always say, like, when someone's in a bad way and they call in the name of Jesus, they are calling on the only one who can help them. So it's actually great theology in the midst of not the best use of language. But he says, Jesus is his name, and Christ means he's the Messiah, and then our Lord is the person who we have submitted our allegiance to, right? So the Apostle Paul puts all this together, and then he says, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh. According to the flesh. So this actually reminds us of 2 Samuel chapter 7. Right? That even though Jesus is the Son of God, he's also of the seed of David according to the flesh, which means that Jesus is the recipient of all the promises within the Davidic covenant. And you can read about it in 2 Samuel 7 that God told David that one of his seed will always sit on the throne of the children of Israel. And so Jesus is there as well. And then it says he's declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So not only is he of the flesh, of the physical line of David, he's also declared to be the son of God because the tomb was empty and Jesus conquered death. And then the apostle Paul says, through him, speaking of Jesus, we have, verse five, we have received grace and apostleship. We've received God's unmerited, undeserved favor and this reality of being sent out, right? That's what apostleship means, for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you also are called of Christ Jesus. Now, do you notice the obedience to the faith? Now, here's the thing. We believe, because we believe the Bible, that a person is saved by grace apart from works, which means nobody does works that gets you saved. You're saved by the finished work of Jesus. But really, the key to experience all of God's best for your life is that you are actually walking in obedience to the faith that you believe. 
Now, can we just put this out? Because like, if you're here at Crossroads, you realize we just put everything on the table. We just deal with what it is, right? If you were to ask the average person why they don't believe in Jesus, it's simply because people who believe in Jesus actually don't live out what they say they believe. Because we say we believe in Jesus, but then we live in a way that is antithetical to Jesus. And I actually am grateful for the challenge of our culture to be skeptical towards Christianity because I realize I don't just want to say I believe in Jesus. I want to be obedient to the faith that I hold. And anywhere when I look at my life and I say, my life is not in line with the faith that I profess, that is an area that God wants to grow me up. Now you have to ask yourself the question, where are you not being obedient to the faith that you hold? Now I say that realizing that for all of us, that's kind of like a, whoa, hold on a second, Fusco. Because all of us are in process. But listen, Whatever that is, whatever the spirit of God convicts you on those things, that is where God wants to work. I've always said it, that conviction is good, but repentance is better. What that means is when the spirit of God convicts you, that's a good thing. But repentance is when you actually hate your mistake enough to change. That you turn from doing what you've been doing and you turn to the Lord. See, your ability to experience the best that God has for you is actually on the other side of obedience. God invites you to live a certain way, but you get to choose to live that way. He doesn't make you live that way. He asks you to live that way, and then you get to choose to either be obedient or disobedient. But we should never forget the fact that God's best is on the other side of our obedient decisions. The experience of who he really is. Now, what I love here is that he says, among whom, verse 6, you also are called of Christ Jesus to all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Now, remember we talked about that our identity is in Christ? Look at how Paul speaks about the believers in Rome. First, he says that they are called of Jesus Christ, that just the way he was called of Jesus, they're called to Jesus. And now, to those who are in Rome, he says that they're beloved of God. Now, here's what I want to tell you. When you are called in Christ Jesus and you put your faith and trust in him, then you are the recipients of God's love. How cool is that? People all the time, they say, would God ever love me? How could God ever love me? And the answer is, he already has because Jesus came on a rescue mission for you. And even though you may think that you are unworthy of love, Jesus calls you his beloved. And not only that, notice it also says called to be what? Saints. Now, I grew up nominally within a Christian tradition that says that a saint is like an all-star team of all of God's followers. But according to the Bible, a saint is anybody who has put their faith and trust in Jesus. As I like to say, you're either a saint or you ain't. Do you realize that you're a saint? If you're a follower of Jesus, I know for you married couples, it's weird to call your spouse a saint. You know way better. You don't have to call me Pastor Daniel anymore. You can just call me Saint Daniel. (laughs) And I'm here to tell you, that's great theology. See, talk about your identity. Do you realize that you're a saint? You should be on a stained glass window. We should all walk around with white plates behind our heads. (laughs) The reason you're at that word saint comes from the Latin word sanctus, which comes from the Greek word that means holy. 
Our saint is someone who has been set apart as holy. And your holiness and my holiness is not our own because we did so good. Or we made so many right decisions. Our holiness is a gift from God in Jesus. And that's why you are a saint, my friend. Talk about your identity in Christ. No matter how big your rap sheet was. No matter how much messes you have made in your life. When you are in Christ, he calls you a saint. How cool is that? That's the good news. So when you wake up tomorrow morning, you look in the mirror, you say, oh, Jesus. (laughs) The next word you should say is, I'm a saint. (laughs) How cool is that? So our identity is in Christ. Now, from there, look what it says in verse 8 of Romans chapter 1. It says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of the Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if by some means now at least I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. Verse 11, for I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts so that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. Now, here's what I'll say about this here. And this is another area of great tension in our lives, is that you and I need to learn how to seek after God's plan. We need to learn how to seek after God's plan. Now, the reason I think it's such a tension is because, let's be honest, all of us just want our plan to come to pass, right? It's like, you got a will, you got a plan, you got the thing you want, and then that's what you want. And we do live in a culture where you're allowed to have everything your way, right? I mean, how many of you feel bad for people who work at restaurants or coffee shops? If you don't, you should, Could you ever notice your order? Hey, you're at a restaurant. Hey, it's good to see you. Hey, I want a burger and fries, but I don't want the burger or the bun or the fries. I actually want some lettuce and some grilled onions, and I want like 97 things on the side and a salad. Is that okay? And they'll be like, yeah, it's okay. Or you go to the coffee shop, and your goal is to fill in every single box on the cup, right? And when you find out there's a box that you haven't gotten filled in, you're like, I need to fill that box in with something. What can I put in there? I want a coffee. I want it with no caffeine. I want it sugar-free, but with syrup in it. I want it with half foam. You know, and the poor people there are just like, and they know no matter what they give you, you're not going to like it anyway. Right? And so we live in a world where that's how it works. And don't get me wrong. I like my perfectly personalized meals like the next person. But the thing is, is then what happens is then you begin following Jesus. Instead of ever thinking, God, what's your plan for my life? Like, this is what I want. And I hope that God's going to be on board with this. Right? See, Paul says, look, first, he's like, I thank God for you believers in Rome. Why? Because everyone talks about your faith throughout the whole Roman. Everywhere I go, they say, the church in Rome is rocking. They love the Lord. They believe in Jesus. And he says, as God is my witness, verse 9, whom I serve in my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. He's like, look, because your faith is so well known, I pray for you all the time. And then he says, making request, if by some means, now at last, I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. You know what he's saying? He's like, I've been wanting to come to Rome and meet you all and minister to you, but 
I have been hindered until now. Look what he says in verse 13. Now I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I have often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now. See, here's the thing, brothers and sisters, listen. You're either doing your will for your life or you're doing God's will for your life. And very rarely are those two things the same thing. And the problem in our day and age is that everybody wants to do what they want and they never even ask God what he wants because God forbid God may have a different plan for your life than you have for yourself. And so we have a day and age where people, I believe in Jesus, but I actually don't really care what he wants for me. I always want what I want for me. And how many of us, if we're being really honest about our lives, there's lots of that. We don't ever ask God, what should I do for work? Or how should I live? Or what should I do with the money that you've been entrusted to me? Or the gifts and talents that I have? Lord, what do you want to do with those things? No, it's always, this is what I want. Right? And that's a big tension, isn't it? But Paul is saying, look, I've wanted to go to Rome for a long time, but I haven't been allowed to yet. I got other things I'm supposed to do. And see, learning to seek after God's plan is an important thing. Isn't this what Jesus said in Luke chapter 22, verse 42? He says, Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Speaking about the cross. Jesus is saying, God, if there's any other way to save humanity, can I not have to go to the cross, please? Like, if someone can be a Buddhist, be a Muslim, be an atheist, and everyone makes it to the top, then can I not have to get my body brutalized by the Romans at the cross? But he says, nevertheless, what? Not my will, but yours be done. And brothers and sisters, that nevertheless might be the key to you fulfilling God's will for your life. The ability to say, God, you know, this is what I want. This is what I'm planning on. Nevertheless, not what I want, God, but what you want. And the Apostle Paul is living that reality out. What's amazing is, is Paul ended up making it to Rome. But not as a missionary. He went to Rome as a prisoner and was killed there. See, Paul never made it there until the very end of his life and not under the circumstances that he would have chosen. But he was seeking after God's plan. Now, before I leave this, I just want to make a quick mention of something in the middle verses here. You know, in verses 11 and 12 and following, because an area of great tension in all of our lives, of course, is relationships. And notice what he says here. Verse 11, for I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Jesus is There's a lot of things that have the potential to cause tension in your life. Parenting, relationships, and especially faith. Today, Pastor Daniel shared from the book of Romans how to deal with some of these contentious situations by focusing on who you're living for and what his plan is for your life. Jesus has made you to be different from the world around you, so you need to go to him to identify who you're meant to be. I want to thank you so much for listening to the Jesus is Real program. And I realize that there are many of you, you're not a born again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. So if that's you, if you're saying yes to Jesus for the very first time, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And we all said together, 
Amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to know that you did it, though, because I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400, and my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Now, my team, we want to share some stuff with you, so don't go anywhere. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. You know, the Bible says that when one person comes to Jesus, the angels in heaven rejoice. And we rejoice with them today if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive some resources that are going to help you in this new journey with Jesus, take out your mobile phone right now and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio and Pastor Daniel urges you to tell the truth even when it's hard. This should always be done with love, but it should never be swept under the rug to avoid awkward encounters. Every person deserves to know the changing grace of Jesus, but they can't experience it unless first they know why they need him. Let Jesus guide your conversations and show everyone how he can change their lives. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Life Intention. It's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.